0: Zechariah chapter 1. We'll look at the uh, uh, visions. I'll read from uh, 7 to 17 as we start. We will finish the first section, the exhortation to return to the Lord and then uh, uh, begin the vision portion of the prophecy. Uh, Zechariah 1 verse 7. On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month Shabbat, on the second year of Darius, the word of Yahweh came to Zechariah, the prophet, the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo, saying, I saw at night, and behold, a man was riding on a red horse, and he was standing among the myrtle trees which were in the ravine, with red sorrel and white horses behind him. Then I said, My Lord, what are these? And the angel who was speaking with me said to me, I will show you what these are. And the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are those whom Yahweh has sent to patrol the earth. So they answered the angel of Yahweh who was standing among the myrtle trees and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth is sitting still and quiet. Then the angel of Yahweh answered and said, O Yahweh of hosts, how long will you have no compassion for Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, with which you have been indignant these 70 years. Yahweh answered the angel of, the angel who was speaking with me with good words, comforting words. So the angel who was speaking with me said to me, Call out, saying, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion, but I am very wrathful with the nations who are at ease, for I was only a little wrathful, but they helped increase the con- calamity. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, I will return to Jerusalem with compassion. My house will be built in it, declares Yahweh of hosts, and a measuring line will be stretched over Jerusalem. Again, call out saying, thus says Yahweh of hosts, my cities will again overflow with good, and Yahweh will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. Uh, Last week, we began to talk about the visionary prophets we discussed somewhat at length, Daniel, Ezekiel, the apostle John, and Zechariah as being in exile but all seeing visions. We talked about the fact that from that God speaks to his people, he protects his people, he hides his message from unbelievers and his enemies. As we move to uh, chapter one, verses one through six, we talked about the call to restoration and repentance. We saw that God said he was angry and uh, doubled the uh, words there. Uh, Literally angry was I angry with your fathers. And then the object of the anger was their fathers. We talked about the undeniable results since they were uh, uh, not only in exile, but the, uh, the land was uh, devastated. And then came God's command and, and questions in verse uh, 3 uh, through uh, 6. Uh, the, positive, the positive command was return to me and I'll return to you. Uh, the danger w- was we saw that uh, Israel could have been <laughs> wiped out uh, in Elisha's day. He needed to be told that there was still 7,000 left. Uh, Paul uses the passage in Isaiah to say if God hadn't stopped the progress of their sin, they would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah, completely uh, wiped out. Uh, the negative command then is uh, do not be uh, like your fathers. Verse 4, uh, do not be uh, like your fathers. This is uh, unique. He mentions the fathers. Uh, the prophets, the prophet's message, and uh, and their response. <coughs> he walks them through and, and shows us as well the history of his dealings with them and underscores, I was very angry with your fathers. So the command in verse 4, do not be like your fathers. Uh, uh, the state of the union is the state that their disobedience uh, left you in. Uh, all their disobedience brought you, this generation, to the situation that that you're in. Uh, they might be able to say, well, we, we, we want to be repentant. We want to change. Uh, that's God's point. But the state that you're in was brought about by your father's uh, disobedience. Uh, there's destruction and devastation. There's no land. There's no uh, country. Uh, there seemed in, in uh, the prophecy of Haggai that there was, there was no hope. Uh, notice that he talks about the former prophets. Uh, there, there were many of them. He sent them and he ordained them. And uh, we w- would go back to our study of the minor prophets and, and, and we would think, well, how could they miss? That message was so clear what God was going to do. Uh, From prophet to prophet to prophet to prophet. It's one of the benefits of studying them the way we have it consecutively. Uh, The message is, thus says Yahweh of hosts, return from your evil ways and your evil deeds. Uh, That is repeated just like the anger. Uh, We know that Jesus came and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist came and said, repent uh, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Multiple prophets sent by Yahweh preach the same message of Yahweh's holiness, their disobedience, and many threats, and finally, uh, this destruction. Notice there, uh, the father's actions. They did not hear or pay attention uh, to me. We, uh, uh, we in our household uh, sometimes have that question. Uh, are you listening to what i'm saying well there's only two of us so it's a it's not difficult to figure out who's saying and who should be listening but the the fathers were like that all of israel was like that pay attention to my prophets and they they did not pay attention many passages uh, repeat the same type of words they they didn't listen and he underscores it with declares yahweh this this is true, he says. This is, this is what I saw. This is what they did. And then he begins to question them in verse 5 uh, through the beginning of verse 6. Uh, there's a summary. There's probing questions. And it, it demor- demonstrates his powerful words. He, he talks to them about his word literally uh, tracking them down. Uh, Isaiah 46 through 8. Uh, a voice says, call out. Then he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass and all its, loving ki- all its loving kindness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of Yahweh blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Uh, he's going to remind them of this in light of his word. And he asks the the question, uh, where are the fathers? Where are those who disobeyed? Where are the prophets? Did they live forever? No, they they all died. Uh, By this time, only Haggai and Zechariah are left. Uh, All, all... Yes, I think that's true. Uh, I was just trying to put my timeline in my head. Everybody else is gone. Where's Jeremiah 70 years after the captivity? Where's Isaiah 150 years later, 200 years later? Where are they? Where are your fathers? Where are all these disobedient people that got you into this situation? Uh, They're gone. He says, He says, My words and my statutes which I commanded Overtook your father. Sometimes you have a, a dream, don't you, that, that you're running. You can't get away from something. I don't, know, I don't know why we have dreams like that. And you're running and running and you can't get away. Well, this, this is that picture. This, this giant rolling doomsday was predicted. And he says, I predicted it and it came and it overtook them. Finally caught up with them and just crushed them in the exile. His words, of he, as we have seen, all unheeded. All of the judgments promised overtook them and overwhelmed them. We saw pictures in a, a number of the prophets stacks of dead bodies. The, the land is quiet. You can't even assess the, the devastation and the destruction. But then there are some revol- results in chapter in verse 6 the second part they returned or they repented there is an acknowledgement of God's purposes as Yahweh of hosts purposed his plan and his purpose were executed uh, it sounds a little bit like Nebuchadnezzar saying, you, you can't stop God's purposes. Nobody can stay his hand. It says, to do to us in accordance with our ways and our deeds, so he has done to us. Now that's, that's that repetition again. To do to us according to what we have done. Uh, uh, verse 6, as Yahweh of hosts purposed to do to us in accordance with our ways and our deeds, so he is done. Uh, angry, he was angry. If you return to me, I'll return to you. Your fathers didn't listen, that's doubled, and now they 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 look at their ways and their and their deeds. Uh, but then the question is: who repented and returned to the Lord? Uh, I had to study this and, and uh, think about this question because there there were people in Haggai's day that were exhorted because they were complacent. You remember, they, they kind of moved in. They said, well, I'm going to rebuild my house. And he said, why are you building houses with paneled walls? You're taking that extra step to make sure you're in nice surroundings and comfortable, but the, but the temple is, is destroyed. And yet, uh, there are uh, those who were in exile, who were repented, uh, Daniel chapter nine is an entire chapter of a prayer of repentance uh, Nehemiah chapter nine uh, they 're back, but it 's an entire chapter of uh, repentance. Think of the book of Lamentations uh, uh, after uh, the exile after the destruction, a- and there is uh, there is a uh, commentators say there is a connection to lamentations because the, the people cry out and they admit uh, that they had done wrong uh, these are These are examples, and these might be our our uh, best guesses as to who he 's talking about uh, that repented maybe Ezra had repented, Nehemiah certainly did. Maybe Zerubbabel and Joshua; these people who came back to work, the prophets certainly did. If they were in a, a bad spiritual state, they never would have been called to be prophets. So there, there's a handful of people who who have repented. Uh, this section of the prophecy is is vital. We're going to go on to the to the biggest section, is is the visions, but I don't want you to think, oh, good. Here comes the good stuff. Here comes the stuff I have all the questions about. Remember, if you're not right with God, you're not right with God. There, there there's no blessing that you can anticipate. There's, there's no way that, that, that they should process any of the other things that he's going to say if they pass that up. The, the exhortation is: Return to me, and I'll return to you. Look at your fathers. Where are the prophets? Have you listened? To your word. It should make us resolved, in a sense, uh, to not move on to the visions as some juicy part of the book or juicy part of the prophecy, but remember that God deals with those who are contrite. He, he draws near to people who are contrite. Sometimes people just say, oh, the Jews, they're God's people. They're, they're not unless they're repentant. That's the point of all the prophets. Nothing's going to happen to them in a positive way unless they're right with God. That's over and over and over again. So now we come to visions. We'll we'll be seeing a lot of visions for a few weeks. Zechariah's visions go from uh, chapter 1, verse 7, to chapter 6, verse 15. It's the largest section of the prophecy, uh, and it's important words uh, for God's people. Uh, The visions that are seen are then interpreted. That's important. Last week, we saw that with the parables in Jesus. He spoke parables. The disciples would say, I didn't get it. Let's ask him when we get back home. Then they would ask him. And he'd say, this is what the parable meant. And he said, to you, it's been given to understand the the things of the kingdom of God. To other people, it's not. It's hidden from them. It's revealed to you. Well, this is revealed to God's people. And uh, Zechariah will speak to a- an interpreting angel. Uh, we'll see over and over the angel who talked to me. And there's some uh, differences. There's also a phrase that's used to begin some of the visions. I lifted up my eyes. In the, in the book of Revelation, it's similar. It's not exactly. Uh, but John sa- will say things like, Then I turned and saw. And the, the vision uh, begins. I lifted up my eyes is used five times in the prophecy. And then also the words, the angel who talked with me uh, is used 10 times in this section. So he's, he's dialoguing with an angel, very similar to the book of Revelation. And the angel who talked to him continually tells him this is what this means. Uh, Zechariah sees a vision. He asks about it, it's interpreted to him. There's just a a pattern there. Three examples of his questions, uh, chapter 1 and verse 9. What are these, my Lord? He asks about the horses that he sees. Uh, In chapter 1, verse 19, what are these? Uh, He asks again, chapter 2 and verse 2, where are you going? He sees something and he asks about it. Very similar to the book of Revelation John I'd like to just tell you what the eight visions are you might flip your pages if uh, if you like Uh, the first one is a vision of horsemen chapter 1 verse 7 to 17 the second vision is chapter uh, 1 verses 18 to 21 it's a vision of horns and craftsmen Uh, the third vision is chapter 2 1 to 13 it's a vision of a man with a measuring line uh, we're going to see a lot of visions and a lot of people measuring things in the next few weeks because it's exactly where Russ is in the book of Revelation. The fourth vision of Zechariah is the vision of Joshua the high priest. Uh, the fifth one is in chapter 4, 1 through 14 of a golden lampstand. stand. Uh, the sixth one is chapter 5, 1 through 4, a vision of a flying scroll. Uh, uh, chapter 5, 5 through 11 is a vision of a woman and a basket. Uh, uh, the eighth vision is chapter 6, one through eight. It's a vision of four chariots. And then uh, chapter uh, or the ninth one or the, in chapter 6, 9 through 15 uh, is called a a, a sign act. Uh, it's not directly a vision that fits the other pattern, but it has to do with uh, Joshua uh, and the, the temple. Now, I just wanted to mention two guidelines for uh, uh, for looking at, at visions. Uh, visions are for God's true people in the darkest times like we saw already. Uh, Daniel, Ezekiel, John, they're all in, in exile states and they all receive these visions. Uh, It's a hidden message that's revealed, uh, but it really is for practical help. If you think of the book of Haggai that has no visions, what was the practical words of help? Don't be discouraged. Consider your ways. Work hard. I am in your midst. The Spirit is going to help you. There's going to be a future glory. I'm going to shake all things and all my purposes will be fulfilled. That's what... Haggai said in his short prophecy, uh, Zechariah is is no different. Uh, and these uh, uh, visions, those stretched out, will help us to understand those things that he encouraged the people with. And then also, uh, chapter 7 through the end, will pick up those things to help them to see that the Spirit is in the midst and uh, they should not be discouraged, etc. Uh, I was... Uh, uh, thankful in thankful in this uh, that Matthew Henry has a very practical uh, view of these. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you in a minute that if you talk about the horses, you could see five or six ideas of what the horses are and what the colors of the horses mean. But Matthew Henry starts off by saying, this was done to awaken people's attention. That's a good goal, isn't it? What does that prophecy mean? And God's going to tell him. go tell the people, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, Second, we then approach uh, God with humble reverence. And we see Zechariah's humble inquiries into the prophecy. We should uh, see uh, chapter one, one through six, return to me and I'll return to you. God is speaking to his people but nothing gets through unless you're repentant. Nothing gets through unless you're ready to, and prepared to hear God's word. It doesn't matter if it's a vision. It doesn't matter if it's clear, did it? That's the point of 1, 1 through 6. I spoke to your fathers by many prophets. I uh, poured out all these words and they were perfectly clear words. And what happened? They didn't listen. So here is a time to be humbly engaged and say, what is Yahweh saying to us? Matthew Henry also says this is is done to fix it in our mind and our memories. There there is, in a sense, no greater thing than to understand what the Scripture says and have verses fixed in our mind and God's dealings fixed in our mind and memory. And also, he says, it's designed for comfort. Uh, One of the uh, uh, the writers of a commentary, uh, uh, T.V. Moore, uh, has nine applications just of the first vision. I was going to uh, someday maybe uh, write them all down and, and just help you, help us to see, uh, to walk through it. He he saw nine applications in these uh, uh, 10 verses of the first uh, vision. Uh, uh, Calvin says that, that he wants to be careful, uh, and he says, I will endeavor to accommodate it, that means to apply it or have you learned from the vision, uh, without any refinements, right? He's not going to embellish anything. He's not going to make anything. He just is going to speak the plain sense. He says, without any refinements, to our use. That's T.V. Moore's thing. That's Matthew Henry's thing. How do we use the prophecy? How do we use what God is saying? It's, it's practical. It's to our use, And he says, and so no ambiguity will remain, provided we seek to be soberly and moderately wise. And that's good for discussing anything in Scripture, to be soberly and moderately wise. There's a plain sense. There's things that I don't understand. What do I do? He goes on to finish and says, that is, provided we aim at no more than what Edification requires. What does edification require? If I stand here, what does edification require that I say to you this morning? I say only what is appropriate in the scriptures for your edification, for the building up of God's people. I say only the truth of the word as God has shown. You're only sanctified by the truth and your word is truth. If I stood here for 10 minutes and talked to you about what I think all the colors of the horses are and and who the rider is and this and that, it may be confusing. And let's not forget what the myrtle trees mean. Huh? Well, Pastor Mink thinks the myrtle trees are this. And this guy thinks they're that. Well, that's fine. I was really helped this week listening to uh, uh, the RefNet app. And Dr. Sproul had, had come upon a, a passage in the life of Paul. And 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 Paul was speaking, and he answered, and somebody struck him. And they said, you can't speak to the high priest that way. And uh, Paul says, well, I didn't know he was the high priest. And now there is a discussion, well, how come he didn't know? And uh, Dr. Sproul pointed out four things that people have said why Paul didn't know, or why he could say that, did he really know, but he just said that, or that, all sorts of stuff. And he got to the fourth one and he said, I don't know, you can go home and figure it out for yourself. And I appreciated that, because you could ask me all about myrtle trees and the, and the glen, or the ravine, and all that all day, and I'll just have to say, I don't know. But I can, I can, as Calvin says, bring to you and aim at something that edification requires. And then you could say, well, that was a good lesson. I learned more about the scriptures today, not about speculation. Here comes the speculation part. Visions are not given to promote allegorizing, endless interpretations, and multiple speculations. I have 10 commentaries on Zechariah. I didn't realize I had so many. And almost everyone is a responsible commentator of the scripture. And they all say, well, I think this is this, and that's this, and that's this, and that's this. And who am I? But we, we have to say it's not to produce speculation. Because God has a message that he's going to say. And, and uh, Zechariah will use the formula. The angel that talked to me said... That's what God is going to tell his people. Uh, the visions are interpreted and understood by God's people. What does that parable mean? I'll tell you. Oh, now I understand it. That's the idea. There's bad examples. I'll mention several. There was a, a man named Emanuel Swedenborg. And he said that all the Bible had deeper spiritual meanings. Uh, uh, evidently, he wrote... Uh, an eight volume commentary, and it wasn't popular because people didn't understand what he was talking about. But his followers thought that he was inspired by God. He said that the judgment day already came. He had visions and dreams, he said. Uh, he said that uh, uh, everything in the scripture was f- filled with uh, uh, symbolism. The problem with some of these men is only they know uh, what the Bible says. You meet some of those people, you say, sorry, uh, I'll listen to R.C. Sproul. He says he doesn't know everything. I'll listen to one of my pastors. They said they don't understand everything. Only eternity will uh, unveil this passage. Then in our day, there was Harold Harold Camping. He was the founder and the president of uh, Family Radio. Uh, He had the same thing. Everything was allegorized. There was what the scripture meant, there was another meaning, there was a deeper meaning. And you only, uh, you only could figure it out if, if you were spiritual like him. He would tell people who called into his program, if you look at the scripture very, very carefully. Well, he was, he had all this numerology. He had this layered hermeneutic, uh, the little boy who had the loaves and fish. The boy represented something. The fish represented something. The loaves represented something else. The fact that they were set on a field in groups, that meant something. The fact that they collected scraps, that meant something else. Uh, uh, One lady called in and she had this bizarre thing of the passage. And he said, well, I think you're on the right track. You're like, wait a minute. Nobody would think of that in 100 years. Puzzling conclusions, he predicted and promoted the end of the world numerous times. I can remember seeing billboards uh, uh, traveling to my job in Philadelphia. And, and, and that's what they used to, to proclaim his message. The Bible wasn't as important as what he was saying. That, that's what happened. L- literally, literally, the tragedy is that people quit their jobs days before the, the world was supposed to end. May 21st, 2011 was Judgment Day. And May 22nd came along. And what happened? Oh, it wasn't a physical judgment, it was a spiritual judgment. Right? Hemming and hawing and switching and changing. And If you ever feel that I do that, just tell me to get out of here. Go sit down where you belong. Don't speak to... That's the last thing that you want is, is, is people confused. Mm-hmm. He had this hidden biblical calendar. He retracted some of the things, didn't believe in hell. And then towards the end of his ministry, he said that all churches are apostate. In the church in New Jersey, we had three people leave the church as soon as he said that. Because they were going to our church, but they were listening to him. And unfortunately, with some of these guys, the more they tell you, they know, they know, I know. I know the deeper meaning. Didn't you know that? I know the deeper meaning of God's Word. People believe that. And they're taken in. And three people left our church, never to return. Well, you're going to a church. that The church is apostate. Don't you know that? Paul left Timothy behind. To deal with this problem, and he told them, "I want you to uh, exhort these people who teach errors." He says, "Nor pay attention to myths and endless genealogies." He think about that. I was going to study it more, but but it means it means something that's just like totally boringly protracted. Oh, brother, what I really want to talk to you about the genealogies this morning. I thought we talked about it last week. Yeah, but this is really important. Seems like it's endless. Well, it is, but we got to figure it out. Endless genealogies which give rise to mere what? Speculation. Verse 7. Here's these guys to a T. Wanting to be teachers of the law. The, all the scripture has in one word as the law. Even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. you imagine that? Here's my confident assertion. On May 21st, the world is going to end. It didn't. And I just showed that I don't know what I'm talking about and I don't know what I'm making confident assertions about. Uh, really, the opposite of what, what I'm saying is that I am ignorant. Titus 3, nine, same thing. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law for they are what unprofitable and worthless we need to we need to be armed we need to be inoculated we need to be ready there's people out there who follow these guys there are people out there who are confused about the scripture and we have to say no I don't believe that at all Colossians 2:18. Let no one disqualify you. Insisting on uh, asceticism and worship of angels, going into detail about visions. And puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. See the the sensuous mind, the lust and the desire is to be the top guy, isn't it? I'm the Bible Answer Man. I'm so and so. I know. I've studied and I know the deeper, deeper meaning. And if you really, really studied like me, you might understand too. That's a sensuous mind. But what would these people do unto the Colossians? He's saying, disqualify. Make a judgment against. You, oh, you don't listen? You don't believe that stuff? You're, you're out. You haven't had visions. You don't worship angels. You're out. You're disqualified. That's what happens. People take these views and you say, that's crazy stuff. I like the plain sense of scripture. Oh, you're out. You don't understand the deeper meaning. Daniel, Ezekiel, John, and Zechariah had visions. Uh, Beware of any other visions. I went to... uh, a Bible college with a fellow that would have dreams all the time. And he'd come down to breakfast, and he'd be all like, last night, I had a dream. And you'd say, well, so did everybody else. And he'd say, no, I had a real dream. So, that's what you're going to find. Right? Your old men will dream dreams, right? The, the prophecy in Joel, the people will dream dreams. Now, all of a sudden, every dream I have means something. Well, I will need a, a book on interpreting dreams just to figure out what the dreams say. A couple of three days later, I had another dream. Okay, well, everybody else had a dream too. No, I mean it, a real dream. Dealt with a young man one time talking about the scripture. He said, the Lord just told me what that means and it's not what you said. That's people that you can meet. That's people that uh, that are out there. So the, the, the first thing is to remember God wants to speak to you, even in visions. Even if you have to say, like Dr. Sproul, I don't understand it. Other people can figure it out. Where's the edification? Where is the basic plain sense? Where's the edification in it? Well, God is going to help us and, and show us. So, the vision of the horseman comes first, chapter 1, verse 7 to 17. There's a time stamp, the 24th day of the 8th month, two months and 23 days after his first prophecy, one month after Haggai's second prophecy. Remember, Haggai had four prophecies. So, they, they, they both got started, and they're, they're overlapping. Here is the content of the message, Notice in verse seven, the word of Yahweh came to Zechariah. That's important. It's God's word. What did we say that God's word does? It lasts. It, it right? Jeremiah says, "My word's like a rock. My my word does what I intended to, to to be." There there's a plain sense. It's the it's the word of God that's coming. The word of Yahweh that's that's coming. It's Yahweh's word for his people. Zechariah is a prophet. He's ordained by God with authority to speak for God to his people. That's That's the point. The vision comes to the person who is ordained. It'll be interpreted to him, and he'll tell the people what God said. Right? Not the guy who had a dream last night. Not the guy who says visions and then says, Look, lady, you're disqualified. You don't have visions. You don't worship angels. Out, out, out. You're not spiritual. So here comes the vision and its interpretation in verses 8 and 9. There's a vision, there's a question, and an answer. The, the first thing is, he, he, the vision comes at night, and, and off we go. And people say, oh, the night, that's the best time for a vision. And the night means this, and the night means that. Well, I just had a vision at night. But there's, behold, take notice. Take notice. We, ha- we have to look at it. We have, to, we have to see it. There's a man riding on a red horse. He's standing among myrtle trees. And he's in a glen or a hollow or, or a ravine, a low area. Okay. And behind him, there were red horses, sorrel horses, and white horses. And sorrel is a, a horse that's like a mixed color. And then I said, what are these my Lord, and notice, here's the formula, the angel who talked with me said, I will show you. So in this vision, many have taken each of these things that have been seen and assigned various interpretations. We'll uh, maybe finish with this. For instance, uh, the writer, one person says, that's Jesus and nobody else. Somebody else says, "It it could be angels on a mission, and somebody else says something different. Uh, the myrtle trees. One person says they're hostile spiritual powers. Somebody else says it probably symbolizes God's people or the church. Somebody else says it's no doubt the symbol of the theocracy in the Bible. Okay, fine. The red horse. It's doubtless. Somebody says that that means God's vengeance. Red somebody else says, means fervor or zeal or wrath. And the white horse probably means triumph or strength. Now, in Zechariah chapter 6, more horses come. And in Revelation chapter 6, we saw four horses there. The, the, the problem is that some of, some of the people try to tie them all together. Anytime you see a horse, it's got to be tied together. I don't think that's true. These horses do a specific thing. The four horses in Revelation do four specific things. They have four specific uh, colors and goals. So that's the red horse and the white horse. The multiple color horse produces a picture of light and flame. Right? At night, that would be really something else. Uh, but other, other people say, well, the horses really have no active part at all. They don't mean anything. Uh, uh, the ravine or the glen, that means the deep degradation of the people and they're at a low point in their lives. Uh, uh, the, these are only a few. This is only a few of the ideas. Uh, however, the answer in Yahweh's message, the word of Yahweh, uh, has nothing to do with the myrtles, glens, and the color of horses. What What God tells Zechariah to tell the people has nothing to do with these things. And and so that's led me to wonder, well, then why try to figure out what the red horse is or what a myrtle tree means because they are not mentioned at all uh, after this. Well, there's a discussion about the angels, discussion about the angels and the riders and, and the angel of the Lord. I think, I think we'll stop. I think we'll stop here. That... Um, uh, uh, basically, uh basically, the idea, and you can look at it too because you can figure it out, are there three people or two? Is there just the writer and the angel who talked to Zechariah? Or is there a writer, the angel of the Lord and the angel who talked to Zechariah? Interpreting angel, angel of the Lord, and the writer. That would be the three. That's where I lean, uh, but uh, you, you know... We'll, we'll pick up that next week. And uh, uh, p- please, uh, take some time to, to read these things. Take some time to read the visions. Look at the patterns. Look at how many times he says, the angel who talked to me. Look at the questions that he asks. Look at, look at how uh, it's interpreted back to him. Uh, he'll end up, he'll end up after this vision being told, cry out uh, to the people. And, and that's, And that's what God does. He he cries out to the people when they're in uh, these uh, dark times. Uh, So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for these things. We bless your name uh, for your revelation of your word. We do confess, Lord, that we are like grass and the flower that fades away. We literally can see in our yard flowers bloom and the blossoms drop off each and every day. Help us to know that People who are like that need your word because your word endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen.